so glad you could join us for mornings at YCVC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Father, we thank you uh, for this morning and, and I just want to lift up those who are not here with us this morning, uh, especially mindful of Peter Randall who's um, had some, some heart issues over the last few days and so we pray for his health we pray for answers to uh, whatever's causing uh, his heart problems, that there would be a, a, a solution, divine and supernatural or medical. Either way, we want to give you uh, glory for, for his healing, Lord. Um, and we pray for those who are away for other reasons, who are traveling, Lord. We pray for, for safe travels. Um, we pray for those who are amongst us uh, and unwell and those who aren't uh, uh, with us this morning because they're unwell uh, as well, Lord. And we pray that you would bring them into a place of healing. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. Well, it is the sixth part of our Culture Code series, uh, but because there's no kids' church on today, um, I'm going to uh, get the kids to come up uh, out the front uh, and sit on the floor because I need you to help me tell a story. So I'm going to tell you one story, and then I'm going to get you to help me tell a story. So come out the front now, kids. Come and sit down. If you need to bring mum and dad because you're a little bit shy, that's Okay. Uh, I want you to, to sit down in front of me. Um, all right, and while you're doing that, I'm just going to grab a couple things that I need. All right. So I'm going to tell you a story of Neil. If we throw up my slides, that would be because I don't remember the story off by heart. So this story is called Everybody, Somebody, Anybody and Nobody. And so when I was growing up, my parents had this on a poster in our rumpus room, in our playroom, which was also uh, kind of our kids' club room for our church in our house, so the kids would come over. And so this was up on, on, on the walls in our, in our room. So I'm going to tell you this story, and then I'm going to get you to help me act out a story from the Bible. And, and the question we want to ask as we start this morning is, whose job is it? Okay, so this story is called Everybody, Somebody, Anybody and Nobody. So this is a story about four people named Everybody, Somebody, Anybody and Nobody. Put up your hand if you're named one of those this morning. <laughs> you could be right. You could be a somebody or an anybody. That's right. Um, <laughs> So there was an important job to be done and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. <laughs> Who's confused a little bit? Yeah. So the question is, whose job is it? Me! Yeah. <laughs> High five, Kai. So the Bible story I want to talk about this morning, I need to give you a bit of an understanding of what's happening. So in, in the Bible times when Jesus was around in his body, because he's still around with us today, he's just not uh, with us, he's with us in his spirit, not his body anymore. 
it was customary, it was the practice that when you went to dinner at someone's house, they would organise for someone to wash your feet. Because who's ever had stinky feet? Yeah. And so when you sit down at dinner, they would sit down on really low tables with their shoes off. So their noses were really close to their feet. And so who thinks it would be a good idea to wash, wash your feet before having dinner? All right. So in this story, though, there was a person who was the king of all the universe. Who thinks they would be a good person to play the role of the king of all the universe? I think Bella was the first hand to go up. So I've got you a very special crown, Bella. You are the ruler of all the universe. Okay. And uh, we've got a very special royal robe for you to put on. Okay, all right. Now give it a little bit of a royal wave. Like this, this is, this is, this is the royal wave. Like you're waving, but you're showing that you're better than everybody. Um, okay, in this story we also need someone who's a servant, someone whose job it is to clean. Annabelle is the first hand person to pop her hands up. So we're going to give you an apron because your job is to clean stuff. Um, so Bella's the boss of the universe uh, and your job is to be a servant and uh, you know, clean up mucky messes. Okay, all right. Okay, and then one, we need two more people. We need some people this morning with stinky feet. You hear some gloves and you're all kind of clean. So put up your hand uh, if you've got uh, maybe some stinky feet. Yeah, come on. We need one more person with, with stinky feet who's going to be prepared to take their shoes off. Yeah, Elliot, you've already got your shoes off, buddy, so you can sit here. All right, so... If we've got the, the ruler, the king or the, the queen of all the universe and someone in rubber gloves and an apron, whose job do you think it is to wash the stinky feet at this point? Okay, and I know some of you know the story, so do you think, you think the king of all the universe should do it? Do you think it's their job to do? Not, not did, did he do it, but should he? Is it really his job? Or do you think it's really the, the cleaner's job? Yeah, I think it's the cleaner's job. All right. Now, I want to tell you, before we answer this question of whose job is it, I want to tell you something about the feet that was being washed. So this, this story was Jesus and his um, followers were having dinner together. And so Jesus wasn't wearing a crown. He wasn't wearing a robe, like a royal robe. He was just wearing ordinary clothes. But he really still was the king of all the universe. <laughs> Stinky feet, Elliot, yeah? But something about the feet in those days, and I've got a picture uh, to show you. So in those days, they wore sandals. They didn't wear like big covered shoes like this. They wore sandals, um, maybe not with Velcro straps, but you get the picture. And, and the footpaths and the roads weren't, weren't all paved with like concrete and bitumen. Some of them would have had uh, like rock-covered roads, but they were pretty dirty. And, and if it rained, they would have got pretty muddy. 
And there was also lots of animals that would have walked up and down uh, those streets. And guess what animals do when their tummies are full? Do they wait and go to the toilet in a clean spot? No. They poop on the ground. Stinky. And so the feet would have looked a little bit more like this. So this is why you don't want to have dinner to, before you've washed your feet. So who, who, forget about the Jesus story. Who, who, should, who would normally wash feet, do you think? The king or the king's servants would wash the feet? The king's servants. All right. But in this story, what Jesus did, it says that he took off his robe. He can take off his robe. You can keep the crown on. And he took a towel. You got, yeah, you've got to sit back on your seat so you get your feet washed. And he, played by Bella the she, this morning, you can go and wash their feet. Just pretend there's, there's lovely warm water in there. And so we kind of think about this story. Put up your hand, because we've got a great kids' church. Put up your hand if you already knew the story about Jesus washing the feet. Yeah. And so this story about Jesus washing feet is kind of pretty amazing that Jesus, the king of all the universe, washed someone's feet. But it's even more amazing when we think how stinky the feet were and, and how it wasn't really Jesus' job to do. It wasn't the king's job to wash feet. It was... The servant's job to wash feet. So, and then Jesus said, and we're going to do some activities in a minute, but I wonder if I grab this microphone, put up your hand if, if you can read well and you'd like to read this verse out. Yep, Josiah was the first hand up. So come and stand up here, and Josiah is going to read out what happened when Jesus finished. Is this on? Yeah, it's on. Okay. Jesus finished washing their feet. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Well done. Good reading, Josiah. And so... So Jesus didn't just wash his followers' feet so that they would have clean feet for dinner. He washed his followers' feet so that all of his followers would learn from his example to look after and to serve one another. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning in our last of these messages the big people have been going through about how the church should be. We're going to be talking about serving each other. And so Jesus took on the role of a servant to set an example for all of us. And so some churches have taken this passage quite literally and they will have, uh, in essence, they'll have communion, they'll have baptism and they'll have a, a ritualistic uh, foot washing. But, but what, what most of the church believes, and, and sometimes that we'll, we'll, you can do that as a, as a, as a practice, a symbolic practice, but, but what we mostly believe is that Jesus didn't just literally mean um, you have to wash each other's feet, but he did that as an example of what it looked like to take on the most servant of servant positions, to, to serve others in the most humblest of ways. 
And so the Apostle Peter, who was in the room there, and so if you remember the story, uh, Peter was in the room and he was the one who said, don't wash my feet. You're, you're the king of the universe, you're the Lord, you're the master, don't wash my feet. You're too good for that. And, and so there was this back and forth where, where Jesus said, you know, if you don't let me wash your feet, then you've got no part of me, that this is about uh, being connected in relationship with one another. And then, and then Peter, Ben Peter, um, who was quite brash and, and, and forward with things, said, well, then wash the whole lot of me. Give me a whole sponge bath, Jesus. Um, and and Peter's, uh, Jesus' response was, that's not entirely necessary. Um, it's only your feet that are dirty. But then, so Peter, it's Peter himself that, that was there and, and that didn't get what Jesus was doing, but, but as he wrestled with that and as he had this push back and forth with Jesus around what it meant to let the king of the universe wash his feet, <coughs> Peter, years later, came to this uh, reflection on what it means to serve. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So whatever you've been given, whatever gift you've received, use it to serve others. And so we've been journeying through uh, this series, Culture Code, what should the culture of the church be? What should shape us in our interactions with one another as a church? We've been looking at these each other or one another statements from, from the New Testament. And so Peter says, whatever we have, we should use to serve others. And he says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so Peter is saying, whatever it is that you've been given, use it to serve others. And he says, as we've read, that that's faithfully stewarding God's grace. And so the point is, if you've been given a gift or an ability or a resource and you're not using it in a way that's serving others, then you're not being a faithful steward of what God's given you. That our primary concern as followers of Jesus, as, as people within the church family, our primary concern with whatever God gives us in terms of a gift, an ability, a resource, whatever we've been given, our primary concern should be obviously to glorify God, but to serve others. And so God's given us various types of gifts. We can think of, of spiritual gifts. The, the, the gifts of prophecy, of tongues, of, uh, of various other things throughout the New Testament that are spoken of as spiritual gifts that, that God has given us to serve the church. And so it's interesting in the New Testament we'll read about not you know, that God has given this person a gift, but, but God has given this gift to the church through that person. And so Peter goes on with some examples. He says, if anyone speaks, and that's not just your normal conversation speak, it's if anyone speaks, preaches, teaches, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. They should seek to do it enabled by God, but, but honouring God, taking that that role seriously. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. 
And, and so speaking and preaching in some sense might be considered more of the, the spiritual gift end, but, but this serving, this washing of feet, this practical service is just the realm of natural abilities. And so it's not just the spiritual gifts you've been given, it's, it's the natural abilities you've been given that, that God calls for us to use to serve others. It's also the resources, finances, material possession that God has given us that we can use to serve others. But it's also just simply our hands and feet, our availability. It's a cliche phrase and I don't know who said it first, but but God uses our availability so much more so often than He uses our ability. It's not about thinking, I've got great abilities, so I'm going to serve God. It's, it's, it's about, I'm going to make myself available to serve others so that God would work through me. We've all, each of us, got hands and feet. We consider what, what, what you know, Jesus, who we would have to say is God himself, possessed every ability and capacity that uh, a man has ever possessed. But what, what gifting was he expressing, expressing when he got down on his hands and knees and washed the muck off his disciples' feet. It was just simply a, a, a desire and making himself available to serve others. One of the things we've been given that the Scripture tells us is freedom. In Galatians it says, it's for freedom that you have been set free. And, and I don't know about you, but, but when I think of freedom, I think... Um, of that song, I'm free to do whatever I want, whenever I want, any old time. I think that's a song. Is that a song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or it's just the song of my, my, my broken heart that says I'm free, yeah, and thinks of freedom in that way. And in truth, that is what freedom is. It's not freedom unless we are free to do whatever we want, whenever we want, any old time. But but a few verses after Paul says that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, he says this, You, my brothers and sisters, we're called to be free. So we've been given the grace, the gift of freedom. And just as Peter says that we should use whatever we've been given to serve others, Paul says even the very freedom to choose what we want to do when we want to do it, even that very freedom from sin and slavery to sin, even the very freedom from law and obligation, even that very freedom, the Apostle Paul says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Some translations will say sinful nature there. The original Greek word is sarx, it means flesh and, and, and it involves sinfulness but it involves just everything that is self-seeking. And so the Apostle Paul says, you, you are free. You're free to choose. You're free to do whatever you want, whenever you want it, however you want it. You're not under law, you're not a slave to sin. You're not a slave to religion, you're free. But don't use that freedom to be self-seeking. Instead, use it to serve others. And really, I think that's what true freedom is. If I can only use my freedom to serve me, then I'm not truly free. 
unless I'm free of my own selfish desires, unless I'm free enough of my own temptation to sin, unless I'm free enough from legalism and, 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 and obligation to religion, unless I'm truly free, then I don't really have the capacity to serve others. It's only in true freedom that we can actually serve others. And so what do you have? What has God given you? Whatever that is, the Scripture, the New Testament encourages that the culture of the church, that the, the, the environment of the kingdom, that the attitude of our heart should be that whatever we've been given, we should use it to serve others. Whatever ability, resource, gift, or whatever availability we have, we should use it to serve others. The number of the children that we have with us this morning, be it only a remnant of our usual kids' church, um, being school holidays, messy church this afternoon, no kids' church this morning, but, but even though they're just a remnant, it's a reminder of how many children we have uh, in our church and the importance of children's ministry in this church. Um, and so I don't want the whole message to be lost in this, but, but I do want to share with you a need that we have as a church, that this coming term we have... Some of our, our kids' church leaders are scheduled, it's an interesting word for it, scheduled to give child, <laughs> to give birth to children. Um, we have others who will be away, and, and, and so essentially Selena said we're down to two-thirds of our normal team. And so what we're actually asking of a church is, if we're to run our kids' church program for term three, we're asking for some people who'd, who'd normally say, ah, oh, don't put me on the kids' church watch, roster, I'll wash the poop off people's feet before I'll do that. <laughs> what we're asking for is some people who are in that category who, who might think, it's not my ability, but so that it happens, I'm going to offer my availability. Just once, maybe twice during term three. And so if you're in that category, if you, if you, you know what? It's not me. Kids ministry is not me, but, but I want to see kids ministry happen. Or even if you're like, I kind of like it when the kids go out so that I can focus more readily on the sermon. Even if that's you, for whatever reason, we're asking for people in our church to put their hand up for once or twice. So if that's you, you can let me know. Selena's not here this morning, you can let Selena know. Um, but you can also, if you use the Version Bible apps, Carl's put a little form in there with a link right there, that right now this morning you will not be criticised for using your phone. If you're on Facebook, we will just assume that you're signing up to help out once or twice during Kids Church this term. <laughs> and so I really want to encourage you, and we'll keep encouraging you, it'll be in the bulletins, to, to say, hey, yeah, I can, I can do one. Or I can do two. Just this term, we may say, hey, do you want to, do you want to try again? And you're, you're, you're completely willing to say, you're completely allowed to say, no, that was it, I just did it for that term. What we won't do is we won't put you on the next roster <laughs> unless you ask us to. And so whatever we have though, whatever gifts, abilities, resources, availability, we're called to serve others. But I don't know about you, part of me has got this serve others message, but, but I really want people to see it. I really want people to, to look at Nick and, and, and go, Nick's such a servant. 
isn't Nick great? He just works hard and he's always doing stuff for others and you know, there's not a, not a shred of selfishness in, in the expression of, of Nick's freedom. Firstly, that would be a lie. But if that's my goal, it also misses the point. So we come back to the end of that, that 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verse 11 passage. Whose glory is the serving meant to be for? God's. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So we're called to serve in such a way that the end result is not our glory, but God's glory. That doesn't mean it's not okay to encourage someone or, or give someone praise and say, well done. Uh, we've talked about encouragement has been part of, uh, of the culture of the church or what it should be. But it speaks to our heart when we serve. That we don't serve for our own glory. We don't serve for our own praise. We don't um, make sure that everybody sees that we're doing it um, it's like Jesus said with the giving into the offering. You don't need to blow a trumpet so that everyone sees that you're giving. He actually says, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is ooh, doing. It's the same with our serving. We don't need to make a big show of it. We use our gifts and abilities to serve others and that necessitates that others will see it. Others may encourage us for the use of our gifts and as they should, but, but ultimately our serving should bring glory to God. And so the question is that we need to face in this modern generation is maybe sometimes it doesn't need to go on Instagram. Like this great photo of me. Now, I'm not condemning myself or, or judging uh, anybody that's ever done something serving and shared about it on Instagram. At least part of the heart of this was a funny post about, you know, machine gun preacher, you can't read it, but, oh, you can on that screen. Still up on my Instagram, haven't removed it. If you want to, you know, follow Nick, Nick, what is it, Nick G. Barber. But I'd be lying if, if I told you this, that at part of... The, the at least subconscious motivation for sharing my funny post about being a chainsaw preacher was that I wanted people to know I spent with another person who's more humble than me, so I won't mention their name, but I didn't do it alone. I spent my afternoon cutting wood for somebody in our church and I wanted people to know about it. I'd be lying if I told you that wasn't at least part of the motivation. And so we're called to serve for God's glory. And so I'm not saying it's never, uh, it's never not okay to, to put something up on Facebook or share it on Instagram. But, but what we should be asking the question is, do I need to put that up there? Do I need to throw into my afternoon conversation around a coffee, oh, my back's a bit sore because I was cutting wood all day for this family in need. Do we need to... To, to, to tell everybody about it. 
if it's for God's glory. And see, the reason it's so important to ask ourselves these questions is because every one of us has this desire within us for for being noticed, for being praised, for being the first, for being glorified. There's this episode in the Gospel of Mark and it's shared in the other Gospels, but in the Gospel of Mark, and, and we're going to read from Mark chapter 10, 41, and it says, when the, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And so what were they indignant about? We've kind of jumped in halfway through the story. They were indignant. Ten of the disciples were livid because James and John had gone to Jesus. They'd snuck off aside with Jesus and they said, when you enter your kingdom... And at this point, they were still thinking that Jesus was going to be a king and a ruler like Bella, wearing a crown and a, and a robe and, and conquering the, the region of Jerusalem. They said, when you enter your kingdom, let us sit on your left and your right. Let us have the most glorious positions in your kingdom. And so when, when, when the other ten heard about that, they were indignant Now, I want to suggest that they weren't indignant because they were thinking, how could they possibly have such selfish motives? I bet you they were thinking, oh, I wish I got to Jesus first. I wanted the good seats. (laughs) And so James and John were expressing this very common human desire that we all have to be first, to be best, to be noticed. Maybe some of us, you know, some of us literally have the desire to be the prime minister or, or to be the CEO of our company. Some of us don't want that, but, but this desire still expresses itself in, in the desire that, that we all have for people to see the good things that we've done. In that human desire to have the pat on the back and, and to be known as, as the best in some sense. the human desire to be great, to have notoriety, glory, and fame. And so Jesus responds to the, to the 12 disciples and he, and he talks about what the culture of the world is. He says that you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. He says you know that In the culture of the world, those who are the best and the most special have the most followers on Instagram. Those who are the best in this world have those special Facebook pages where you've got too many friends and so you have to kind of have a celebrity page. Those who are the best in this world are the bosses at their company and they they rule over everybody. Those who are considered the best in this world, yeah, you just need a... If you want to be CEO, just have a small company and, and you can be CEO. He said, that, that's the culture of this world. The most pomp, the most ceremony, the most likes, the most clicks, the most authority, the most power, the most money, the best clothes, the fastest cars, the shiniest cars. That's, that's what greatness, notoriety, fame, that's what it looks like according to the culture of this world. But then Jesus says, not so with you. I've said throughout this series that, that we neither want to be so comfortable with the culture of this world that we become just like it, but we also, also don't want to live in uh, reaction 
to it. We want to live under the authority of God's word and what it says our culture should be. But this is one of those times where Jesus says, this is what the world looks like and you should not be like that. He says, not so with you instead. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. He says that greatness in the kingdom and therefore greatness in the culture of the church should be upside down compared to what the world sees it as. That the greatest in the church, the greatest amongst the followers of Jesus is the one who serves all. And again, not serving all for, for their own glory so they can go, I am the best servant in this church because I served the most today. The greatest is the servant and the slave of all. Greatness in the kingdom looks like servanthood. The culture of the church looks like servanthood. Um, some time ago, uh, Michael Pilbrow, one of our family who's not here this morning, um, was sharing uh, with me that one of the, 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 the messages um, that had impacted his life and the way he's lived his life, and if you know Michael, he's certainly lived his life um, to serve others. Um, but it was a message by Martin Luther King called The Drum Major Instinct. Um, and so the drum major is the person at the front of the band uh, with the fancy pole, uh, and they march along, and they're at the front, and they do the twirls and the spins. They're, they're leading the procession. They're so good they don't have to beat the drum. They tell other people when they beat the drum. And so... Martin Luther King was preaching on this passage from Mark 10 and it was actually apparently his last sermon, not his last public address, but his last church sermon. And, and he said uh, that, that this desire of James and John to be the greatest, he called that the drum major instinct, that we all want to be in front of the crowd, the best, noticed, given glory, given fame. And so he drew out of this, he said, it's, not actually, it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say, get rid of that instinct. He says, yes, have that desire, but turn it upside down. Yes, be the greatest, seek to be the greatest, but seek to be the greatest in serving others. Not for glory, but for God's glory. And so he was unpacking this this message of, of being a drum major for justice, he says. A drum major uh, for the sake of others. And then I, I, he, he says this towards the end of his message, and we're just going to play a short clip of that this morning. And so Jesus gave us a new norm of greatness. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. And this morning, the thing that I like about it, by giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. Because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't, know, you don't have to... Make your subject and your verb agree to serve. 
You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace. Soul generated by love. You can be that servant. So in the culture of the world, only a few people can hope to be great. But I just love that, that piece from Martin Luther King, and you know, I couldn't do it justice, so I thought, let's just let him speak for himself. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite, if you listen to the whole message, it's online, you can find it on YouTube and stuff. Um, not a video, but an audio, just with a picture background like that. It's called The Drum Major Instinct. Encourage you to, to listen to it. Um, but there's, there's, you can hear a voice in the crowd that just keeps saying, make it plain, make it plain. That's the encouragement. Um, but we don't have to be the person with the most, with the best, the smartest, the brightest, the, the greatest of resources, uh, the best intellect. Whatever we've been given, we're called to use that to serve, but... But in the kingdom, all that's needed to serve is a heart that has been filled with that desire. A heart that is, as Paul would say, compelled by the love of Christ. That seeks to follow the example of Jesus himself, who going on from that passage in in Mark 10, 44, where he says, the greatest amongst you is the slave of all, he says this to his followers. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. And, And we might think Son of Man's a lesser term than Son of God, but in the context in which Jesus spoke, Son of Man was one of the most uh, revered messianic titles. Uh, It it appears in the prophetic literature, um, ironically claiming to be the Son of Man was more acclaimed to be God himself than uh, Son of God uh, in in Jesus' time when he spoke. And he said, even the Son of Man, uh, even God himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so even God himself did not come to be served, but to serve. And this is not just a Sunday thing. This is not just, okay, you know, I would love for lots of people to say, I will help out with Kids Church in Term 3. Because, you know, we need that to, to be able to do our full program through Term 3. But, but it's not just about a Sunday roster thing. It's not just about a church thing. We're talking about the culture of the church, but, but the culture of the church should overflow from the church into the world, that, that we should be known as this. It's about a predisposition of the heart that says, I am not here to be served, but to serve. In every environment that we step into, that our hearts desire the declaration of our own heart is, I am not here to be served. I'm here to serve. The declaration of our heart to be that I am not here for my own glory, but for God's glory. But it's got to be more than just 
the words. It's got to be more than just a thought. Just as Jesus didn't teach the disciples about serving and then not serve at all, it says uh, in John, coming back to that story, in John chapter 13, after Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, it says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. See, Jesus isn't a Lord and Saviour who came to us and said, all of you servants, all of my people, all of the people that I'm the master of, you should serve each other. He didn't just teach it, he set the example of it that we should follow. I'm not here to be served, but to serve. using whatever gifts, whatever resources, whatever abilities, whatever availability we have been given, that should be our attitude. That should be not just our individual attitude, but that should be the culture of the church, that we all have this heartbeat. I'm not here to be served. I've not come to the the church gathering today so that others can serve me. I've come to serve even if I'm not on the roster. I'm not going to the coffee shop, even though I'm paying them money for my coffee. I'm not there with the attitude of, I'm here to be served, I'm here to serve. When we're walking down the street, when we go to work, whatever environment we walk in, our culture as a church should be that I'm not here to be served, but to serve. And I'm not here for my own glory, but for God's glory. So I want to invite each of you to to stand this morning as as the worship team come back out. I confess this morning that I am 100% convinced that what's on the screen is what the scripture teaches me should be my mindset and attitude. I also confess this morning that my mindset is one that often desires to be served and often desires to be glorified, to be the first, to be praised. And so I'm going to pray because I know for myself that it's only through Jesus' example and the work of his Holy Spirit in my heart that this can ever truly be my attitude. Um, And so if you're anything like me, it might be just me that I'm praying for this morning. If you're anything like me, I just want you to lift your heart uh, and and give an amen to my words and then we're going to serve each other as we worship our God together. Mm. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Heavenly Father, thank you for the example of your son, Jesus Christ, God himself, who did not come, yet being God in every possible way did not come that we might serve him but came to serve us and to set us an example of what it looks like to be his followers so father i pray for myself and for anyone else who's here this morning who who wants to give an amen to my prayer i pray for myself that you would reshape my selfish heart so that I would truly be filled with the desire not to be served, but to serve. May that be my attitude. 
Father, and I pray also that you would fill me with the desire not for my own glory, but for your glory. And in the name of Jesus, and if you agree with my prayer for yourself, say amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.